When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Everybody say hello to Greg this week. He's all fired up. We're about one week away from free agency. It's the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles as the big voice guy, Jim Murray, told you. Let's jump right in, Greg. We're going to have, I do want to let people know this. We are going to have a very special episode of the podcast later this week. We're going to do this on Friday. It's going to be all about free agency. Get you ready from the Patriots side of things, the NFL side of things. And as part of that special episode of the pod on Friday, we are also going to have a very big announcement that Greg and I are very excited about. So look out for that later on this week. Uh, But in the time being, Greg, there's still a lot going on coming out of the combine. Of course, the uh, franchise tag deadline day uh, happened yesterday. A lot of news coming out in the league. Some of it Patriots related for sure. We're going to hit all of that today. And let's start with, first of all, setting the timetable for everybody. If people are listening to this pod or watching this pod, and if you're watching YouTube.com, please give us the like. The thumbs up means an awful lot to us. But people might not be aware of how this clock works and how this timetable works. So just a, a quick couple of notes there, Greg, from you about what we should expect starting early next week. Well, I mean, if people are really interested in NFL news and, and what's going on, um, which listeners to this pod are, um, they should really free agency. <clears throat> it officially starts, <clears throat> sorry, um, 4 p.m. on Wednesday, but really free agency starts on Monday. At yep. noon on Monday, teams are free, other teams, uh, all teams, are free to talk to any unrestricted free agents and to basically agree to deals and you will see a flurry. The biggest guys will happen on Monday um, shortly after noon, where you'll start hearing uh, announcements from the Adam Schefter's and Ian Rappaport's um, of the world who are tapped into these, uh, these agents. And so free agency really starts on Monday and also, but uh, trades cannot happen until the new league year starts, which is 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So if the Patriots were to say trade for a wide receiver, like a DeAndre Hopkins or somebody like that, like there's a chance it might leak beforehand, but it can't be consummated until 4 p.m. on Wednesday. So, you know, all of a sudden, I don't know, it's it, it kind of has snuck up quickly where uh, Monday is go time. And so next week, is going to be uh, basically the crux of the NFL offseason uh, prior to the draft where all the big names uh, will be gone within the first couple of days, and uh, then we'll see what happens. 
I am so excited. I cannot like just wait for free agency. To me, this is the best time of the year. NFL offseason, free agency, leading into trades. The league is very active nowadays. That leads you into the draft. And then you quickly look up, and about two months later, you're talking about legit training camp and starting this all over again. So I, I cannot wait for our episode on Friday coming up with the big announcement and the preview of free agency. And I cannot wait for free agency to actually happen starting on Monday. Let's uh, let's go back to Tom Brady because Greg, <laughs> our, our friend TB12, he is going to constantly be in the news. We know that even though he's retired, he's going to keep popping up and he has popped up again. Rich Eisen saying that, uh, there were some rumors at the Combine that Brady could possibly come back and he would be playing for the Miami Dolphins, Greg. Yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I don't know if it's all that surprising uh, to me. I don't know about you, Nick, but um, look, I think, I think this was the deal with Brady retiring. First of all, as we said at the time, I was disappointed because I still think he can play and he's still one of the best quarterbacks um, in the league, you know, does he need more around him that he didn't have on an injury ravaged Bucks team last year? Yeah, and but I think the crux of his retirement was about family. Everything that he went through this year, the divorce from Giselle, um, his kids are now um, basically their home base. From what I understand, they have shared custody at this point, um, but their home base is, and they Giselle and Tom live very close to each other down in Miami. And, but, you know, their home base is Miami. And I think that, you know, from what I heard, like, you know, Tom being local is sort of like, uh, it's, it's mandatory and sort of, uh, you know, whether he wants to be in the lives of the kids, which he obviously does. And so I think he really retired for family reasons. And, you know, he might've been a little bit tired, stuff like that. But I think, now that he has had a chance to settle in South Florida, you know, figure out sort of the the rhythm of the day and the kids and, and all that stuff, it doesn't surprise me that at least some people think that he's had thoughts about, okay, well, now that I'm here, you know, I think I can make it work. I think I can make family and football work considering, you know, we'd all be in the same town. But I think the Dolphins are the only team that he would consider coming back for. Um, now, we've heard the Dolphins say, like, you know, they're all in on uh, Tua, that they're not interested in Lamar Jackson, like all that stuff. But, um, you know, I think this I think this has a chance. I wouldn't um, necessarily dismiss it, even though, you know, Tom Brady comes out and says, anyone who thinks I have time to come back to the NFL has never adopted a two-month-old kitten for their daughter. <laughs> um, yeah, that's That's not a no. I mean, it's if there's if there's no chance of Tom Brady coming back, it's very easily be like there is zero chance that I'm coming back. He could have said that, he didn't. He just made some sort of stupid joke about kittens and uh, who are self-sustaining, from what I understand from cat people. So uh, you know, not that big of a deal. So I don't I don't think this is over yet. And quite frankly, I'm kind of rooting for it because, like I said at the time, I still think he's a good good quarterback. I think he he'd be a a phenomenal fit on that team, and boy, would it make things interesting around here. And boy, would it make the AFC East very tough. And there's something else going on possibly in the AFC East, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, that might make it even tougher, uh, depending on what the Jets do here. So uh, th this this division, if it lines up a certain way, could be very, very compelling 
and incredibly difficult to get through. I agree with everything you said about Brady when he retired a few weeks ago. It, it just felt like it was personal. We said it at the time. I said it on the t- at the time on my show out here uh, in, in Sacramento. Uh, he could have played for Vegas. I think Josh McDaniels would have grabbed him in a heartbeat. And, and I, I think he would have yeah. played for Vegas, but he, he was not going to live across the country from his family and, and take it from me. It's difficult to do when you live 3000 miles away from your family. He, he just, he, he did not want to do that. And, and he really couldn't do that. And, and he did not want to return to Tampa because as we see, that place is a disaster right now. They have an offensive coordinator who hasn't called a single play since JV in high school. I'm not kidding. Look it Matt up. Patricia's he there. <laughs> he, he said. He said, David. I think it's David Canales or whatever. Uh, he said oh. at his press conference, he hasn't called a play since JV in high school. Uh, go back if you can find that answer to listen to, Greg. Do yourself a favor and go to that press conference and listen to him uh, describe how he hasn't called plays since years ago. It's it's a delicious answer. Uh, let's jump to the Patriots here. Franchise, no franchise tag used. I don't think we're surprised. Jacoby Myers, Jonathan Jones are now free agents. Yeah, it's the tag was 19.7 million for a wide receiver, 18 million <laughs> for a cornerback. Look, I like both of those guys, but I'm not paying either of those guys anything close to that and the Patriots obviously aren't. Um I think what you'll probably hear in the next couple of days is something we hear uh, on an annual basis and it's not just the Patriots, it's basically every team where you know, they try to uh, play nice and you'll hear, oh, you know, we love the player and hope to get them back. And, you know, but I, I you know, the, the Patriots playbook on this is to with guys like this, and especially if they're at an impasse and there have been reports that the Myers negotiations haven't gone very far. Um, I think the Patriots, their playbook is not to show their cards very much. They might not even give an offer or, and just basically say, hey, we value you. We like you. We'd love you to return. Um, just not sure about the value or that we'd agree on the value. We don't want to insult you. So why don't you go out into free agency and find out what your market is. Come back to us and we'll see if we can do something because we'd love to have you back. So um, I think if I had to guess, I think I think Jonathan Jones's market is going to be much stronger. Um, you know, a, a a starter inside outside um, showed well on the outside, even though that's not his forte and he struggled against number ones towards the end of the season. I don't think he'd be a number one for anybody, but he'd be a dynamite number two for somebody. And I, I don't think that the Patriots with, um, you know, already on the roster, Jalen Mills, who they can get out from underneath from, um, you know, Jack Jones, Marcus Jones, you know, possibly a draft pick. Um, I don't think they're looking to spend uh, more money there on, on a guy that they already know that doesn't he's not a number one cornerback um, Myers I think he has the better chance to re- return it'll be interesting to see what his market is I, I think it's going to be soft which you know I think I think the Patriots would be willing to do something around 12 million dollars a year um, you know Nelson Aguilar's AAV when he signed here was 11 million dollars if you're Jacoby Myers I wouldn't take one cent less than that I definitely want to raise on that considering what he's produced and what Aguilar produced. But, um, you know, I don't think they're out of it on either of these two guys, but I don't think they're a priority. I I would not go too crazy with Jonathan Jones. Uh, I think you need a true number one cornerback. I think Jack Jones would be fine at the two. We talked about maybe sliding Jalen Mills back to safety. 
Marcus Jones is your slot. I think you can survive with him uh, without him as long as you address the number one cornerback spot, whether it's via free agency or the draft, drafting one of those guys early. I know there's rumors that the Patriots love this cornerback class and, and, and might uh, actually wait until the middle rounds to draft their guy because it's a very, very deep class at cornerback. We'll see if that happens. But uh, you got to address it, right? And as far as Jacoby Myers, love him. Love the player. Uh, he's done nothing but great stuff. But I'm not paying him 15, 16, 17 million a year. If he wants to come back at about 11, 12 million a year, I'll talk to you about that, Jacoby. But if he prices himself out, then he prices himself out. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Uh, moving forward with a really huge, gigantic, humongous story in the NFL right now, Greg, that's Lamar Jackson. And the Ravens placed the non-exclusive franchise tag on Jackson yesterday. Um, they could have made a statement, Greg. They could have said, this is our guy. He is our future. You're not going to touch him. We're not going to allow him to take any phone calls. We're not taking any phone calls. Lamar Jackson is our franchise quarterback. Get away from him. But they did not do that yesterday. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a couple different things. So you've heard um, the Lamar Ravens friendly sort of storyline on this is the two sides have come to an impasse on where they see Jackson's value as far as um, guaranteed money and things like that. And the Ravens put the non-exclusive tag on um, to sort of allow the market to dictate, to be the mediator between these two sides where they're like, all right, well, this is what we think. This is what you think. Why don't we, why don't we let other teams in? And um, if, if you get an offer, we'll have a chance to match. Or, you know, if, if it gets too pricey, you know, the Ravens could, you know, it's, it's on the tag on this tag, it's, it's two first round picks. So the team needs to have a first round pick this year and next year, at least going into this year's draft. But you, teams can always work out a deal on the side, you know, similar to the Patriots did with Wes Welker when he was, I think, a restricted free agent with the Dolphins. Um, they could have they could have signed into an offer sheet and just gotten the compensation, but the the Nick Saban and Bill Belichick worked out a deal where the Dolphins took sl slightly less than that for Wes Welker and they, a team could do the same sort of thing here with Lamar Jackson. I mean, I, I, I don't know what you think, Nick. Um, you have your eyes and ears open a little bit more as to what's being said around the league um, in general. But, I mean, I know there's some whispers about, like, there's collusion because we've heard a bunch of teams who you'd think yeah. you would be in. You, you would think Miami, Carolina, Washington, the Jets, and the Colts – at least uh, Falcons also, but they said they're out, but all these teams, almost all of them have said they're not interested. And there's been talk about collusion about how the NFL owners are getting together to sort of, you know, reset what Deshaun Watson's guaranteed contract did to all this. So, you know, who knows, but it, it would be surprising to me. I mean, I, I think at this point, unless Lamar Jackson gets a dose of humility 
in terms of what his contract will really look like from the market, then I don't think the Ravens would would be all that bothered if you know he walked to someplace else and they sort of reset at the position. There's so much here. When you look at how much money has been spent on this offense over the last four seasons, I think it was Warren Sharp had the number that the Ravens have spent the least amount of money on their offense the last four years. And they have not done a good job surrounding Lamar Jackson with legitimate bona fide wide receivers. Mark Andrews has been his best target for the last several years. Um, They have depended on his legs. Greg Roman, I thought, was stubborn with his offensive approach and and would not change things enough. Um, Lamar is a talented guy. There's no denying that. But there are a few questions about him. He's He's been banged up the last two years. He's missed multiple games the last two years. I think he missed five games this year. Um, he wants all of this guaranteed money. And from Lamar's point of view, he's like, look, man, Deshaun Watson got all that guaranteed money from Cleveland. You know, he's not a former MVP. I'm a former MVP. I deserve that guaranteed money. And the Ravens are saying, we understand. We understand you want that guaranteed money. But that was a very, very different contract that the Browns gave out. Jimmy Haslam and company really screwed things up across the NFL for other owners by giving Watson the contract they gave him, especially given the context and circumstances of the Watson situation at the time. That was a crazy, crazy contract to hand the guy. And it's made for some difficult negotiations, which leads me to, Greg, Lamar Jackson does not have a legitimate agent. And this is hurting, I think, his business. And I'm not saying he shouldn't try to draw the line and try to get as much as he as he can. He should. But not having the agent, the agent is not talking to the Ravens. The agent is not going to the combine talking to other teams behind closed Mm -hmm. doors. The agent is not massaging things to put Lamar in a great position with all sorts of leverage. So that's another layer to this. Another layer to this is. You have to offer him the contract. The Ravens can match. And some teams, I'm sure, are concerned. Okay, are we going to sit here and and dink around with Lamar Jackson in this contract when the Ravens can just smack us away and we waste our time doing this? Or if you're somebody like Miami and you have Tua, do you want to publicly give Lamar Jackson a contract offer for the Ravens to turn around and say, no, we're keeping him, and now Tua's camp is pissed at you because Tua wants a contract? So so there's, there's a lot of layers to this. I don't just easily point to collusion. I do think it's worth the conversation. I do think owners across the league do not want to pay $150, $200 million, $250 million guaranteed to any player because the precedent it sets. But there's a lot to this story. Um, Let's jump to the next quarterback, big name. And this could absolutely impact the Patriots, Greg. Aaron Rodgers, all sorts of stuff coming out the last week or two. I found it very telling Mike Silver, who's pretty close to the situation. Uh, he came out this week with a story saying that, you know, he's got a source or a couple sources in Green Bay, pretty much saying we've had enough of Aaron. We're done with him. Um, there was a quote in there saying, well, not a quote, but kind of like a paraphrase deal from Mike saying that uh, the team feels like Rodgers bailed on them. He 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 failed to commit to them. He tapped out once he got the big contract last March. I read that, Greg, as the team leaking out to the fan base, be ready for this guy to leave. And if if we do trade Aaron Rodgers and you want to freak out at us and give us some public backlash, 
Well, here is a convenient report right before that trade to let you now know why we tried we, we tried to make this work, but it didn't because he was the guy that bailed on us. It's his fault. We had no other you know, repercussion but to deal him and, and move on with our life. And, and that feeds into this report that the Jets are talking to him. The Jets flew out. They spoke to Aaron Rodgers. So if he does leave Green Bay, Greg, it certainly sounds like it's going to be to the Jets. Your thoughts on on all of it, the Green Bay relationship and the the possibility or probability of Aaron freaking Rodgers being in the AFC East. It's uh, I have like deja vu all over again from the Favre <laughs> stuff. I mean, I was there in 2008, uh, right in the middle of it um, at the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And, you know, Nick, what's what's amazing to me, and I'm, I'm sure I've mentioned it on the podcast before, but it's just it's it, it's incredible that Aaron Rodgers, who you have to remember, when he took over for Brett Favre, he went out of his way to be the anti-Brett Favre. He was there. He was backing him up for three years. He saw all the yearly off-season drama, how that bothered the, the organization and his teammates. He saw a guy who changed in his own locker room uh, away from the guys. Um you know, you saw, uh, you know, a guy who at times, 2007, he was pretty good. McCarthy had had reined him in a little bit, but who's reckless and careless with the ball. Um, and when Aaron Rodgers became starter of the team, he went, he wanted to be 180. He was overly cautious with the ball and sort of was his whole career where he didn't turn the ball over, didn't throw many interceptions. He... Uh, you know, he was sort of the the consummate teammate uh, until his last contract where he, you know, he, he left the team some um, room to uh, finagle sort, certain moves to surround him with talent. He went out of his way to have like meals with the guys, like and all that stuff and um, tried to be drama free for the team. And he was for a bulk of his career. And now he's just he's turned into Favre to the point where his likely next move He's in the same place that Favre was, where the team wants to is sick of the drama, wants to have nothing to do with him, and is probably going to trade him to the AFC because the you know Mark Murphy is the head of the Packers. Um, you know they are publicly owned, they are cognizant of their fan base, they don't want to piss anybody off, so they're going to go out of their way to make sure that they they trade him to the AFC, not in the NFC, um, just like they did with Favre. And it's just it's it's unbelievable to me. I mean, I, I I would think in most circumstances, like a team like the Raiders would get involved in Rodgers, but the contract is just prohibitive, and the, and the Raiders have too much work to do on their team, uh, especially on defense, to just add a fifty million dollar a year quarterback. They just, yeah. I mean, they can afford it, they can make it work, but what's the cost to the rest of the team when you know they they need to. They need to defend Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes and, you know, and now Sean Payton's in Denver. And so to me, it's, it, to me, it's the Jets. Or, I mean, I, I think he's going to the Jets. I think it's only a matter of time before we hear that uh, the trade is announced. And I think everybody just wants to move on their way. And it's, you know, I, I would be fearful of a rejuvenated Aaron Rodgers in New York. It changes good for anybody. Um, it re-energizes you, gets you going. I think Aaron was playing sort of go or going through the motions the last few years in Green Bay, and I think this type of move and people doubting him and the Packers doubting him, 
Um, he's going to play some good football, and I would be scared of him coming in this division. I agree. I agree with pretty much everything you said, and I think the tell was the Derek Carr negotiations with the Jets. If if some mm-hmm. of you or maybe all of you or most of you uh, weren't aware of the reports, so Carr was t- talking to the Jets, and the Jets pretty much said, yeah, we're interested, but we'd like you to wait so we can figure out if if, if things are going to fall a certain way. I mean, the Jets are in no position to pass up Derek Carr, even though Greg's not a big fan of Derek Carr. Derek Carr is much better than Zach Wilson, and he is still a top-half quarterback in the league, even if you don't love him. And for the Jets to be like, listen, we don't really have the urgency here. If you can wait a couple of weeks, that'd be great. That that told me that they felt really confident that they could get somebody or had a really good chance of getting somebody better than Derek Carr. And that guy is obviously Rogers. All right, let's do some uh, rapid fire headlines because we've got a lot of stuff to cover before we get to the uh, BSJ member question of the day. And again, don't forget, coming up on Friday, blowout, free agency spectacular. Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles with a very special announcement. We'll have all of your free agency stuff on Friday. Get you ready, Patriots-wise and across the league. But let's look at some of these headlines, Greg. Uh, The Bucs released left tackle Donovan Smith over the last 24 hours. Yeah, and the Chiefs also will not tag uh, Orlando Brown at left tackle. So, you know, tackle's a, a popular subject with uh, Patriots fans. Um, we know they have Trent Brown, and basically that's it. They re-signed Connor McDermott as sort of a backup spot starter level, but they don't have much beyond Trent Brown. Isaiah Wynn's a free agent, um, so a lot of people are going to think that uh, offensive tackle is where they might invest. I, I don't really see it. I mean, you look, it would be out of character for the Patriots to do that. I don't, Donovan Smith is hurt all the time. I don't think he's that good. Um, yeah, I, I have no interest in him. Orlando Brown, I think, is more of a right tackle. Good guy. He is going to get paid through the nose. Somebody who is desperate for at least one starting offensive tackle is going to pay him. And I can't see it being the Patriots. I mean, you look at their history. You know, Matt Light, second-round pick. Uh, Nate Solder, first-round pick. Sebastian Vollmer, second-round pick. You know, they've never really brought in anybody from the outside. I mean, Trent Brown, they made the trade. Um, he didn't get paid until he went to the Raiders. I mean, in his three seasons with the with the Patriots, Trent Brown has only made an average of $7 million a year. I yeah. can't see them all of a sudden. I mean, even when they had Brian Waters um, from the Chiefs at guard, Waters wasn't making a lot of money. Um, on this team and so I just don't think you know they'll re-sign their guys you know um, you know and pay them well whether that's you know Shaq Mason or you know even Solder when they re-upped him you know they'll do that for their guys but outside guys to me they view offensive line in general as a place where you can find guys and you can develop them and they're paying Adrian Clem a good amount of money maybe more than Dante Scarnecchia made here um, and so, you know, you're paying for that. He should develop these guys. So I, I don't see, I don't see them doing that. I think the draft is much more likely, uh, for a tackle. I'm fine with them drafting go, go via the draft. Uh, you know, I just paying a ton of money for one of these guys doesn't really fit to me. Mike McGlinchey, not the best pass blocker. He's really good run blocker. He's kind of middle of the road pass blocker, uh, from San Francisco. He's going to be a free agent. He wasn't tagged. If you address the tackle spot in the first round, second round, I'll feel fine about it. Yep. But they do have to get at least one or two guys. They do need to get younger because, as we've talked about on this pod, 
Uh, when is gone, he tweeted out, free today. See you later, Isaiah. I'm glad you're free. You deserve to be free. Bye-bye. Not going to miss you. Um, and Trent, Trent Brown has one more year left on his deal. So they've got to get younger at that position. They have to address it in the draft. Dolphins released cornerback Byron Jones. Yeah, and most years he would be an option. I mean, he came out and tweeted that he can't run or jump after some of his injury issues in, in the Dolphins. But, you know, could I see him getting healthier in the Patriots – uh, taking a chance on him because I do think when he's healthy, he he's a damn good cornerback. You yeah. know, he I, I could see signing him and hoping you know to some sort of deal where there's upside if he does get healthy and make the roster and stuff like that. But um, you know, not a big consideration at this point. Daniel Jones gets a contract. Uh, I think it's what four years, 160 million off the top of my head. I do believe 82 million guaranteed in the first two years of this contract. Greg, I think this is a similar situation as to what's going on in Seattle with Geno Smith. The first couple of years of these deals, the guaranteed money, I think both teams are in a situation, especially Seattle sitting at five in the draft because of that wonderful Russell Wilson trade they pulled off last offseason. Mm-hmm. I don't think the Giants or the Seahawks are telling us that Geno Smith and Daniel Jones is, is going to be QB1 for sure, lockdown, no, no doubt about it for the next five, six, seven years. I think this is, hey, both guys played pretty well. Geno played much better than Daniel Jones did, but both guys played well enough. Let's give them a one or two year. Thanks a lot. Here's some good money, and we'll revisit this and possibly draft somebody to replace you here in the next couple of years if we need to. Yeah, I think you. that's 100% the right read on this. I mean, I think that you know Geno's contract is more of a uh, – you know, one year and we'll see. And I do think yep. you're exactly right that at five, they're positioned perfectly to get a quarterback. Like, you know, I think, um, you know, certainly between the top three guys, um, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, and Anthony Richardson, that five is basically the floor for those guys. I mean, Anthony Richardson, that would be a perfect place for them in terms of playing style, come in, sit for one year, two year, depends on how he develops, but you could take your time with him. And when he's ready, you say, bye, Gino, Anthony Richardson, it's your team. I think that's a perfect spot for him, but I think you're exactly right there. These guys are good enough for now, sort of like the Alex Smith chiefs sort of scenario um, to, you know, compete and win playoff games, but we're, we're still looking for that bigger payoff down the road. Saquon Barkley was also tagged in New York, so he'll be there for the uh, at least next year. Cardinals are going to release formerly Robbie Anderson, now chosen Anderson. Greg, <laughs> this was a guy we, we talked about it, uh, and I, I was today years old when I found out his name is chosen now. Thanks, there you to go. Greg. Um, but we, we talked about him last year, last offseason. You had some notes about Robbie Anderson and, and now chosen Anderson. The Patriots interested in him. Uh, I would think that it makes sense to at least kick the tires. Would you? Yeah, I would. I mean, you know, he's had more name changes uh, in the past couple of years, <laughs> and you wonder what's going on with that. And he's always been sort of kind of a kooky cat, um, but talented. And um, I think he still has some good play in him. Um, the Patriots have always liked him. I think he has the type of versatility, inside-outside versatility that he likes. I think he would be – like, you know, Nelson Aguilar is going out the door. I think he would be uh, an upgrade over that if you were looking to uh, replace that. But, uh, yeah, I think there's a chance of that. He's a depreciated asset. And we know Bill mm-hmm. Belichick loves those depreciated assets. 
Uh, Jesse Bates, unlikely staying in Cincy. He was not tagged. Of course, he's a safety. Some people would uh, say, hey, two and two equals four. How about the Patriots? They might need a safety with Devin McCourty possibly retiring. Bates, though, a little too much money, Greg. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy who, um, you know, basically played chicken with the Bengals and Mike Brown on his tag last year. And the Bengals basically like laughed at him. I mean, he like held out and they were like, yeah, okay, that's really going to bring us to the negotiating table. So to me, this is a guy who is just looking to get paid. So he's going to whoever offers him top, top of the market. I don't see it being the Patriots. That's, you know, certainly if, if Devin McCourty decides to play, they're out of that. But um, I think there will be better options for the Patriots. Plus they have it like we talked about. You know, they can move Jalen Mills to free safety. Free safety is a get-back position here. It's not a priority. You like to have yeah. a smart guy who can cover up a few things, but you're not looking – you know, remember, Deron Harmon did that for years and did it, you know, reasonably well. He's a free agent. He just did the same role for the Raiders and played well. Like, why would you – you could get Deron Harmon for 3 or $4 million a year to play that. You know he knows the position other than paying – you know, Jesse Bates, whatever, you know, 12, 15 million, like, no thanks. All right, we got to pick and choose here. Uh, so I'm going to jump to the uh, Cardinals. The Cardinals are said to have parameters on a DeAndre Hopkins trade worked out. Uh, it, it sounds like he's going to be gone by the way the Cardinals have handled questions about him. It's it's not if, it's when, and it's also where. Your thoughts on Hopkins? Yeah, I, I think there's a reasonable chance that um, – it could be the Patriots that he's dealt to. Ooh, oh, I, oh, oh, oh. I, I mean, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not reporting anything, of, but you oh, of like, you not. look at the parameters, you know, it's leaked out that the Cardinals have the parameters of the deal. And from what I understand, it means that they have multiple offers and so they know what the ballpark is. And the, the talk is like a second round pick and then like a conditional pick. That's a Patriots deal. That's the type of, Patriots deal that they do all the time I'm hoping that it's a uh, a 2024 second round pick I really don't want to be dealing a second round pick in this draft because I do think you know the Patriots need help you know we talked about you know in my ideal scenario unless a no doubt guy is there at 14 you trade down and then you know you're able to get you know hopefully you know a cornerback a uh, a tight end and a tackle with you know say your first round pick, two second round picks, and your third, you know, I think you have a chance to to, to do something there. And so, um, I don't know. I think there's a chance. I do think Belichick likes the the player. I, I, I think the stuff about Hopkins and Billy O'Brien is completely overblown. People don't understand. It's never been out there. But from what I understand, a lot of stuff that went down in O'Brien's last year in Houston was basically came at the direction of ownership whether it was you know extensions or trades and and certain things and so I I think I think O'Brien I don't know how he feels about Hopkins I know at one point in time he really liked him but I don't know I'm not enamored with the player I'd rather go younger if I'm going to spend assets at receiver but um if if the Patriots want to give Mac Jones proven guys to sort of prove it one way or the other whether he's a franchise guy I guess you could do worse than DeAndre Hopkins I'd be fine. I, I think they, they trade down in the first round. They could pick up uh, an extra pick or two if they trade down. Um, this draft is pretty deep in the first couple of rounds, especially positions in need. Um, I think they can trade down, and I would not be surprised if they trade down. If they trade for Hopkins and, and that pick is this year, I would put a heavy, heavy, heavy bet 
on them moving down in the first round at that point. Yeah. Uh, one more before the BSJ member question of the day. Uh, Patrick Stewart. Greg is somebody that, you know, might not be well known amongst Patriots fans, but he actually returned to New England recently. Explain the significance of that. Yeah, I, I, I do think it's significant. Um, Patrick Stewart's a guy that I, I have a ton of respect for. I know people around the league have a ton of expect, uh, respect for. So, you know, he really rose in the Patriots ranks and, and um, you know, he went to the Eagles at one point, sort of rose there. Then he went to the Panthers and went up the ladder there to, uh, you know, I think he was some sort of assistant general manager, Scott Fitterer there. Um, I don't have his history in front of me, but um, I think the, the, the real important thing uh, here is that, you know, Patrick Stewart coming back and it looked like, you know, cause the, the, the Panthers added Adrian Wilson. Um, they got a new coach. I think sort of Stewart was pushed out Um and, you know, he's probably still getting paid by the Panthers, which we know um, how that is viewed around here. But uh, that they were able to get him, like, during free agency, before the draft, that's almost unheard of. You, you really, most of the time, that doesn't happen until after the draft. So he's been working for the Panthers on this free agency. He's really strong on the pro personnel side on the draft. So he knows what the Panthers' thinking is. He comes in. I think he'll probably team with Elliot Wolf a bit on the more on the pro personnel side to offset, you know, Matt Grow, who came up through the college ranks. Um, I, I think it's a huge bonus for the Patriots. I think he really helps out. I think he has he's developed an independent voice and, um, you know, will be a guy who will that Belichick respects and will listen to. And I think it makes their front office uh, better, at least in, in going into a very important offseason. Hmm, Carolina, Chosen Anderson, you say, the, the team that traded him to Arizona. Hmm, I wonder. Uh, BSJ member question of the day, Greg, we're going to do this one quick. What do you got? So um, there were a couple. This was related to me talking about uh, uh, the offensive tackles and, um, you know, the free agency and stuff like that. And I had a couple of members because I mentioned in there, you know, and this was about how the Patriots haven't spent many uh, resources on tackle over the years. And, you know, I mentioned that they have, um, you know, they have Trent Brown, they have Connor McDermott, and a couple of a couple of members said, plus the Patriots have Connor McDermott. That is a good thing. That's from UM Sebastian 87. I am too, uh, I am puzzled by what appears to be a noticeable reweighting of Con Connor McDermott's worth. Because everything he said prior the last week or two has suggested he's a jabroni among jabronis at best. Maybe that's based on BB lauding him. That's from Brian. So I just wanted to um, explain. So it's it's not my thinking. I mean, I think Connor McDermott is a backup at best. Um, I'm telling you what the what the Patriots thinking is. The Patriots thinking in terms of tackle is, at least for now, we have Trent Brown. He's he's affordable. He's a starter, either at, you know, he's a really good right tackle. He's a solid left tackle in a real system with a real coach. And we also just re-signed Connor McDermott. So we're not going to overextend ourselves. What I'm saying is the Patriots, with that in mind, they view it as we're not going to overextend ourselves. At the end of the day, whether it's free agency or the draft, at the end of the day, if we have to start Connor McDermott, who played for Adrian Clem in college at right tackle, you know, we can do that. And and so it's not my thinking. I mean, I want a lot better than Connor McDermott. I want I want a franchise left tackle, young left tackle 
and I want Trent Brown at right tackle. I want Connor McDermott to be the backup because that's the level that he is really in this league. But I'm just telling you, the Patriots view it a little bit differently. Big time pod coming up on Friday. We talk free agency, Patriots, NFL. It's going to be fantastic. And we have a, a big, big announcement coming up on Friday as well that you don't want to miss. Uh, until then, he's Greg. I'm Nick. Of course, it's the aptly named Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cattles. Be well, be safe, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days.